0: If you're a partner working with the hyperscalers like Microsoft, then you know this is an incredibly exciting time. With Microsoft's recent Inspire announcements around generative AI and Copilot, the opportunities for organizations embracing Microsoft business applications are endless. So whether you're a partner who's just getting started with Microsoft business applications, or you're a seasoned veteran, looking for new ways to grow your business, then this episode of Ultimate Guide to Partnering is for you. This is the Ultimate Guide to Partnering, the top partnership podcast. In this podcast, Vince Minzio, a proven partner sales executive, shares his mission to help leaders like you achieve your greatest results through successful partnering. And now your host, Vince Menzion. Welcome to or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. I'm Vince Mencion, your host. And today, I welcome Lane Sorgen, is the Executive Vice President of Quisitive. A top Microsoft partner, Lane is also a former Microsoft leader with a wealth of experience in the world of business applications. And he'll share with us the exciting work that Quisitive is doing to lead the way in generative AI for business applications. We'll also discuss the massive opportunity that we've all been seeing with the tectonic shifts happening in our world and in our industry. As a partner, how can you thrive and survive during this time of rapid change? Lane will share his best practices and principles of success, and he'll give you the inside scoop on what you need to do to take advantage of the incredible opportunities that lie ahead. I hope you enjoy and learn from this discussion. As much as I enjoyed welcoming my friend, Lane Sorgeon. Lane, welcome to the podcast. Hi,
1: Vince. Glad to be here today.
0: I am so excited to welcome you as a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. We had the chance to work together at Microsoft. In fact, I remember sitting side by side with you in a business review once. I mean, it was like way back, probably 15 or I don't know, longer years ago. So so great to have you as a guest today.
1: Yeah. Same here. Same here.
0: So we've had your CEO, Mike Reinhardt, as a guest, an amazing business that Quisitive has, and you lead one of the business units. And I was hoping you can help our listeners better understand what you and your business help to solve for customers. Sure.
1: Sure. I'd love to, actually. I run the global business application business. And so global business application business to us is really, it's all the areas where we're engaging with customers to help them with what would be business applications so i'm generally working more with the business leaders inside of a company if you want to think about it that way now obviously that actually entails all of uh microsoft dynamics so dynamics fno dynamics business central all that's in ce we do all of that as the, the general stuff and then we've also we've built over the years different sets of software so we have for example, one offering, it's called Inform, but it's Employee Performance Management. And it is very similar to what you and I used to use for the annual review process inside of Microsoft. And so it takes it to that kind of capability to all different sizes of um, companies. And then in addition to that, uh, we've built uh, several industry specific platforms, largely on, on Dynamics. And so we've, uh, we have... Quite a big offering in healthcare. Um, actually, we've we have uh, one Partner of the Year twice for Microsoft in healthcare. We're hoping for a hat trick this year, so <laughs> your fingers crossed. We have manufacturing software, and then we have public sector, really SLG software that we built. And so all of that is is what is in GBA. We have we have business on I guess in four countries predominantly in North America though. And then we have a really large contingent of people in addition to the US and Canada. We have people in the UK and then we have Pakistan and India group as well.
0: Such a great business unit. We've had several leaders from the business application side. Monique Hayward was a recent guest on the podcast. We've had Emily He Mm
1: -hmm. also
0: on the podcast talking about this amazing time for Microsoft and business applications. And we're starting to see it now, like eight months ago, nine months ago, we weren't talking about generative AI. And right. now it's on the tip of everyone's tongue. And Microsoft has embedded quite a bit of the open AI capabilities with Copilot. I was hoping to get your read on things here and get your perspective. What are you seeing from the customers that you work with and what are they looking for with respect right. to generative AI?
1: Well. Generally speaking, the customers are telling this really the same thing you'd see in the press, which that's not always the case, obviously. But the feedback is is similar in that there's great, great hope and belief that it's going to make a, a profound difference in business and in their business. So they, they believe that they, they have some basic ideas about how that might be the case, but, but it's not etched in stone yet and then on the flip side of that same thing you hear in the press is all right i've got to make decisions about how much of this do i put in the hands of if you will the machine and so there's concern of that that's that's the general feedback now there there is one exception i mentioned we we spend a lot of our time in industries with business leaders in the industries in in those cases it will take healthcare. what we're finding is there's a they already have a long list of areas where they can advance their business and have extraordinary value by the implementation of AI.
0: Mm.
1: And so so it's not a question of trying to figure out how they use it. It's real or how they might what solutions they might have. It's actually now a question of how do I do it? Who do I partner with? And and then the answering of the question about how do I manage it? And I guess the last thing I'd add is when we talk to the those business users and explain the notion of co-pilot, where we're going to take all these things that AI could do for you and could just do on your own, but we're going to put it in a window beside your your physician or whatever so that they can just make much better decisions much faster, but they're, they're still a, a user element. When we explain that, that, that sort of satisfies that need and they're really ready. They're ready to go.
0: Yeah, I love the notion of copilot, right? And I saw mm-hmm. I got to see Charles Lamano, who leads the business unit, discuss copilot and actually showed a use case where Microsoft is using using it internally for their own purposes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Healthcare, I want to stay here with healthcare for a moment because it is such an important um, area of focus, right? Nineteen percent of global domestic product is healthcare related. Right. And it seems like such an, an area where we can drive great improvement. Where do you see the growth here, Lane? Yeah.
1: Well, if we've been using in our health, I'll talk healthcare specific, the application called Amazing Care. In that package, we've actually been using cognitive AI and ML really for four years in production with customers. And wow. like, I'll give you an example. One of our customers, they 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 build care plans based on prescriptions. And so they read about 4,000 prescriptions a day that they fold into their system. And then they're taking some machine learning, but they're trying to make sure that they, they build the right care plan and care path for. With the implementation we have in production right now using cognitive AI, we're up in the high 60% in terms of accuracy, being able to read the prescription and put it into the care plan and learn from it without any human intervention whatsoever. And so two months ago, we actually did a pilot, same customer, same implementation with generative AI. And we hit up into the high 80% and it only took a week. So the thing is, I think in healthcare, it seems to me, there's this, they're further along and thinking about all the ways that it can help, but it's, it's really the large language models that allow that, that effort to happen much faster. And so we are right now, we're going back through what we have in AI and looking for areas where generative AI can actually advance it, not just AI, but there's a lot of rules-based processes in healthcare. And so where, where we think we actually have a unique benefit in market is we focus a lot on niche products and we think that we're quite agile and so it gives us an opportunity to come in and change these rule-based models into gen- open AI generative AI and that's actually where we're we're focusing so Masic care release in august is going to have our first copilot just like microsoft where where we will actually be helping our customers build out and manage this care plan and so i think i think that's where we go i think it's going to i think it's going to spike a whole new opportunity in healthcare because a lot of what the systems that run healthcare, they're really big 10, 20 hundred million dollar implementations. And so the opportunity to insert this kind of come at it just from the AI opportunity, I think creates a kind of a whole new angle into healthcare.
0: Yeah. It's, it strikes me that this is a tectonic shift. This is yeah. not this is a once in a generation, like when the internet, when we first yeah. got the internet to life, it feels so strong right now. And, there's so much opportunity, both from a, I'll say, opportunity perspective, and then people. There are a lot of people who are saying we need to put guardrails around it, and right. we could we could probably dive in here. We both know, like, or people like Microsoft, people like Brad Smith, who we both got to work underneath yeah. when we were at Microsoft, are really helping to drive that enforcement and helping governments understand both the opportunities and the implications of AI. Right. But right. I love I love to see the application Copilot being built into your portfolio, and you're a significant player in this business application space. There are, are others, there are a lot of smaller organizations there. And so I was wondering for our listeners, both partners and customers, if I'm on an, on an elevator ride with you and I ask you, why should I choose Quisitive? Why should I partner with you? What would you say to me?
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm going to answer it like because it's you, right? If it was a, a physician, it might be different. But, but if I answered you, the, the reality is, Dec- company, when companies make a decision about what provider or platform they're going to go to, it really it's really about people, process, and technology, right? I mean, it has been forever. Generally speaking, it, it will be. We believe that if a com- company engages with people, process, and technology, we will win a lot. And our history suggests that to be true. Uh, but I would tell them that I think the reason you partner with us is a combination really, I think of three things it's, it is integrity, longevity, and leadership. Mm. And they all kind of meld together. So, from an integrity point of view, if you look at our website, what we say we can do, we can do it really well, right? And in our engagement sales, we still the same thing. And if we say we're going to do something, then then we we do it. The longevity piece is our company is the is the culmination of really five different companies that have come together over time. Every one of those companies has been a a well respected Microsoft partner for twenty years or more. So we all know you, you can't stay in business as a Microsoft partner in the same industry and segment for 20 years if you're not doing things right. So that longevity, I think, is a proof point. And then the last thing, which was actually a big part of my interest in coming to work here, was, was leadership. So the leadership is very diverse. I mean, we have people that came from all different countries Right. All different socioeconomic backgrounds and just even so. So there's diversity. But really, everybody that's got a leadership role in the company, there was a they made a, a conscious, deliberate decision. Like like I'm saying here where they choose to come to Quizted because all of us in some form or fashion want to spend our life's work helping companies achieve great things. And that's really what, while that's not our mission statement, that that is actually the the common element that you'll see throughout all leadership. And I think that's the differentiating point I'd say in the elevator.
0: So integrity, longevity, and leadership. I love what you have to say here. And I will comment here. I've gotten to know several of your leaders. I feel like you've built this amazing organization under Mike. Obviously, you and I got to work together. I know several of your other business Mm -hmm. leaders that have come together to form this amazing organization. And you are, I would say, a partner that has gotten it right working with Microsoft. We could probably dive in here on the Microsoft aspect specifically, but I wanna this is the ultimate guide to partnering. Yeah. And I love to share with our listeners like the nuggets of why a partner like Quisitive has gotten it right. So I thought we could dive in here a little bit on partnership. And I'd love to ask you this question. What do you believe makes, Lane? What do you believe makes a great partner? Whether it's working with Microsoft or with other Partners that you will partner with in the ecosystem.
1: Yeah, I think I think the I think the answer to that is maybe best or easiest by an answer to another question. Okay, and I and I actually use this day in and day out partnering with customers, partnering partner to partner, partnering with Microsoft on specific engagements. And it's, it was a while back, and we were working. A, what was supposed to be Microsoft's, one of their first partnership deals with the customer. Okay, and that can be a lot of things, so that's sort of irrelevant. But it was a large company and somebody ranking very high, like the number two person, that not like, it was the number two person in the company, came in to provide some guidance to the team trying to craft this partnership and said, here's the way I want you and the team to work. I want you to engage in every discussion, every decision, by asking yourselves, what would we do if we were one company? And I remember thinking, oh, that's brilliant, and wishing I had thought of it. And but but nonetheless, I, I thought that's great. And, and we we actually did wind up find, forming a partnership with you know, Microsoft and that company. And so since that day, when any time we're engaged in a partnership, like trying to when we're doing planning here at Quistive and I'm in the room, and we're trying to figure out how we're going to partner with Microsoft on OpenAI. Right, I'm always asking the question either of myself or the group to think about what would we do if we were one company, because in doing that, you, you really shed all of the tension that everybody's carrying with trying to make sure that your own company's interests are protected and you get to an answer. But the thing that was wound up, I think, even being like like doubly brilliant about it is if if you can. And once you get down to like what we would do as one company, each party has the opportunity now to say a partnership has to be good for everybody. And the way it's shaped right now, it's not good for me. So if we want to be in it then if you want me in it, which took in, in 15 years since that happened, I mean, no, nobody's ever said no, if you want me in it. Then here are my interests that need I need to that need to be considered, and it's just hard to get there, right? I mean, everybody respects their company and they want to do the right thing for the company and they don't want to screw up for the company. And so I found out. I think that's the most important thing I would share about partnerships, whether it's Microsoft or a customer or a partner partner. Which, by the way, I'm I'm a huge fan of, and I think we in the, in the industry and an ecosystem should be doing more of it. Um, but I think that's the most important thing I'd like to share to kind of net it out.
0: I think what I heard you say here was a shared vision for success, right? We come together yeah, to we're, protecting our rice bowls is a, is a term I've heard used over the years. We're protecting our own interests and coming together. And basically, like I like the idea of whiteboarding this. Like, what is What is the shared vision and value that we want to provide to the market Mm -hmm. to the customer, right? How do we want to think about that better together and really come together as one organization, as you said, right? Around this partnership and and strike out, like, what what do we hope to achieve and how are we going to achieve it? Right.
1: Yeah. I I will use that in my framing of that message. (laughs) I'm just going to adopt it.
0: I think you have it. I think you have it. And you're doing it every day in the work that you do from what I hear. We, I talked about the tonic shifts we're seeing, and it is striking, right? We have been we've been seeing transformation. We've been seeing challenging times, right? We all lived through COVID. We've had economic headwinds now as well. What challenges do you believe partners face today?
1: Yeah, well, I think, and and we have the opportunity as a partner inside Microsoft, and then it it's a huge ecosystem, but you can use it in small world. So we're connected to lots of partners. So not just looking at it through. My eyes or quiz eyes, but lots other feedback. I think I think it's clear that the same challenges to kind of their same challenges today that they've had that we've had in the past, which is really just running business. How do I sell more? How do I staff? How do I how do I develop people? How do I stay current on technology? How do I get funding if I want to grow? All all of those things are I think still at the heart of how do I how do I manage when the the economy goes down? The, those things are at the heart of what it is. I think those are the challenges. I I don't think that I in my experiences have anything unique to offer on that front. However, there is one area that I I I think is a is a unique challenge right now. It's not the first time it's had this challenge, but it's the first time in about twelve years, and that is really the the economy. It's slowed, and so and this is a big this is a big part of what we're focusing on right now. So. The, what's happening in, in our experience with hundreds of customers is past 10 years, company decides, what's their vision? Like these were the customers were trying to target. What's their vision? And then from that comes a list of the projects that they need to do, technology, business apps or whatever, that are going to facilitate achieving that vis- vision. And then they break it into their departments, the way that the general ledger manages the that organization and they have a budget. And then that department is assigned to a person or a person's assigned to a department. And then you've got the sponsor inside the company. And so for the past 10 years, that person, the beginning of the year, I'm kind of simplifying, but at the beginning of the year, they've got these three projects they got to do. And then what they, their process is, I've got the budget, got the funding. I just need to go find who I'm going to get to do it. Right. And then they got to make sure that they do it. So it's a, it's a hard, it's hard task that has to be managed by, by the customer and all. But the big change is that, oh, and when it's time to do the project, they select it. It's a rubber stamp in the organization. So, so what we're seeing all over the place is the, it's no longer a rubber stamp. And, and so the decision goes into rubber stamp. We'll hear from a customer, hey, you're, you're selected. Let, we're going to start. I'm going to get the paperwork going. Next Monday, we hear back, oh, the, can- the project's been paused. And so what, and, and Vince, I know you and I lived this in similar chairs back in 2008
0: and 2009. I remember it. Yeah.
1: Right. So I think the, the challenge for those, us as partners is we, we actually do this more than the sponsors in the company, right? They're going to do one or two a year like right? as a company. That's a lot of what we are doing. And so we understand this notion of the the business case, the value proposition. And so, The challenge we have is we've got to help that. I'm just using the term sponsor that sponsor understand that that budget is not yours, right? That is a placeholder that you can have when it goes up to the committee and there's a business case, right? And so your job, which we would love to help you with is to actually build out the business case. So when you bring it to your company, They can make the right decision because what we see is their their decisions in companies where they choose not to do a project because they don't have the business case, but the business case is there. And so the company is making, I hope this doesn't come out wrong, but they're making the wrong decision because they don't have the facts with which to make a decision. And I I think that's the biggest challenge we have as partners in this community and this ecosystem and frankly partners as a collective group with Microsoft to drive business is we've got to help make sure that they These people know how to do this because this there some of them may not have ever seen it, but a lot of them are definitely not practiced at it given sort of a booming business over the past ten years.
0: Yeah. I thought I heard you say too is like it's been easy the last several years. Money was cheap for a while. Yep. And everything was forward leaning, like let's lean in big. Absolutely. And we come from a time, you and I both, where we know the economic headwinds of the oh seven, oh eight, oh nine time period. And having to do those cost justifications, right? right? And helping the client understand the value of the solution, what it will drive to the business and the impact, and how it will actually save money, time, all those things that come into right. factoring into, really, it's it's not costing you anything to do this. There's a payback over a period right. of time here. It's
1: costing you not to do it, That's right? right. In, in most cases, right? The intuition that formed that original budget entry was right, but- but you don't get to approve projects on intuition.
0: Yeah. And we're leaning in. And maybe for some of our listeners that are a little younger here, like you got to lean in and you got to help the customer understand the value, right? It's mm-hmm. not as easy as it than, than, than it's been the last several years. I would Right, say. right. I'm so excited to announce our continued partnership with AG1. Many of you know I made taking a green drink supplement, part of my health ritual for over 21 years now and it has made all the difference to my health and well-being. Over six years ago, I found Athletic Greens, and now their product, AG1, became my go-to supplement. AG1 is the first thing I take every morning to power my day. It covers all of my nutritional bases, supports my gut health, gives a boost to my immunity and energy levels. If you want to take ownership of your health, Try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash That's drinkag1.com forward slash Vince M. Check it out. So great, great to hear your perspective here coming directly from certain markets that we all care about, manufacturing, state and local government, healthcare in particular. So what isn't taught, but you believe to be true? You've been around Microsoft, you've been around Quisitive now for many years. What do you believe to be true to successful partnering?
1: Well, I, th- I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of training and stuff. I feel like in a way, this is a bit of a lame answer, but it's what comes to mind when I think about partnering. And that is, uh, there's an old quote, I wish I can remember who said it, but it was check your ego at the door. You know, it's partnering's really hard because you've got, say you're the person that's trying to be the part, right The person you, you've, you've got your own concerns, you've got your own baggage, whatever, right? Your own beliefs, your own experiences. You've had, you tried to do this before and somebody was a bad actor and you had a bad experience, right? We're we're bringing all of this in. And so when I say ego, I'm not talking about an egotistical person. What I'm talking about is really kind of check those things that cause, cause you to be hesitant, cause you to be, Protective or pushy or whatever, so so that we can get to this shared vision. That's really it's a hard thing to do. And I I I I mean I feel like I've been practicing this for thirty years, and and I still even when I'm practicing and when I think I'm doing it, I'll realize, hey, I I gotta I gotta kind of reset myself because I'm I'm not really entering this in this angle. And if you you take it like I saw this for years when I was sitting in the Microsoft chair working with partners. That 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 actually that that kind of checking the the ego or whatever coming in, I think sometimes makes it difficult to understand what it is that Microsoft's looking for. I mean, every partner that exists is smaller than Microsoft. Okay, so when we think about it, like we are the smaller entity. So that generally means we we conform and we sort of morph to to Microsoft. That's an interesting thought when you think about the notion of checking your ego at the door. And the reality is, it's just a matter of, of finding where our interests align with theirs. And the truth is, we as partners have actually the ones that are going to have to do this, right? We're going to have to figure out where we align it. And it's just a lot easier check the ego at the door and figure out how, they're, how we're going to make money in this partnership, how we personally are.
0: Uh, first of all, I love what you have to say around check your ego at the door. I've also said, and, and maybe it's not quite exactly the same, that hubris, when hubris enters the room, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I got it. it makes it really difficult to partner. And I think what you said here, too, is like, I and I've, I've worked with billion-dollar independent software vendors, as an example, that they have a different perspective that sort of there's maybe a little bit more hubris working with Microsoft should care about us. Microsoft should do this for us. Microsoft should bring us leads. <laughs> yeah. of understanding how to work side by side, build that shared vision and value that you talked about, and then aligning for success, which I think sometimes is is an art and a science in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. So I love we could talk all day about partnerships. I love we we're gonna have to get together in person and have a beverage and talk more about this. I'd love to see you again in person yep, uh, absolutely. here soon. But you know, I am also fascinated with the career journey. The work that I did at Microsoft supporting early in career professionals and the work I get to do here with Ultimate Guide to Partnering and helping some of those early in career professionals understand how someone like you achieved such great results and success in your career. So I want to ask you, Lane, I mean, you were, you were a senior leader at Microsoft. You're in a very, very senior role at Quisitive. Was there a pivot point? Was there an inflection or something that happened along the way that whether it was a spark or a mentor that got you to this spark? or got you to this yeah. spot in your career. Yeah.
1: i watched over the years, I've watched other videos. sort of went back and I watched some of them. So I, I knew to, to, to think about a couple of these sort of questions. It's a lot easier to talk about generative AI because you're living it every day. Some of these you have to think about. So I was glad to have that. When I'm working with trying professional development in any, in any form, coaching or helping or, or whatever, there, there are some things that I'm always focused on. And those are, those few areas are typically are those those pivotal points. We are the sum of our experiences. So at my age, like you've had a lot of them. So I've tried to think of ones that that I think are are, are still shaping today. So that's kind of how I was trying to think about this question. So there's there's one one event that I think about every day. It's part of everything that I do every day. It was pretty early in my Microsoft career. I just accepted a role as a VP in the SMB, SMB business. And, and because the timing of accepting that role, right behind that was our U.S. subsidiary leader pulled together the VP-level people. There was like 25 people. And I went to the meeting. And I felt like I was in a different country speaking a different language. I knew my business, knew what I was doing. I didn't know how to engage. It was it, literally I did, I was I was probably more uncomfortable in that. It was a three day session in that meeting. And then I've ever been in my life. And I said, I got to I got to figure out what this is. I just I've never spent any time amongst leaders thinking about leader things in a big group of people, many of which had had quite a bit had significant years of experience over over mine. So. I said, OK, I got to get a mentor. And and they went to a guy by the name of Mike Hart. And at the time, he was the essentially the COO of the U.S. subsidiary. Now, I picked him specifically because I was watching the room trying to figure out it, read lips or whatever. And I noticed that when he spoke, it was very succinct and he was the one person understood. And I look around and everybody nodded their head when he would speak. So I asked him to mentor, him, mentor me and I told him what I was experiencing. And, I, and I'm and i I'm an extroverted Shy person, which is kind of a weird thing. So I, I mean, I'd love to be around people, but speaking sometimes can be very scary for me. Okay, especially in the group. So I told him about it, and he said, "Lane is really simple." He said there are three times, right? There are three situations where you need to speak, and you always have to speak if those three situations happen. And if they don't happen, then nothing's don't speak. Okay. So no, he not said, intrigued.
0: "I want to know what the three what the three 30, things are." I'm excited.
1: So he said, he said, first of all, you got to know what is the intent of the event or the meeting, or whatever. So read your backgrounders, which I hadn't done. OK, that's and So understand the leader or the group or the mission. What are they trying to achieve? The three times you speak are if somebody in the room is actually speaking and contributing and, and providing information that is incorrect or is going is taking the meeting off in a direction that's unproductive relative to what you're trying to do. And you need to speak up to bring it back on, on, to, on track. Okay. One, boom. The next one is when, when someone speaks and it is valuable, but it needs some additional oomph to make the point such that everybody in the room can consume it and understand it. Right. So sometimes it's deciphering it or explaining it, but, if you have the, if you know the information that, that can do it from, then you need to speak right then because that's progressing and meeting in the right direction. And then the third one, and he, and he, I remember vividly smiled big when he said this, he said, when you are the subject matter expert and you have information that most of the people don't, that needs to be in the room to make great decisions, then you speak. And I said, why are you smiling? He said, well, There's 20-something people in there. You're one of three people that are focused on SMB. Speak on SMB stuff and don't say a word when they're talking about enterprise stuff, okay? That's sort of the fun part of it, but it was a a nice little element. And so I've now taken – I don't think I could have done – I couldn't have done that job. I couldn't have done any of the jobs since this, and it was a good – at least 15 years ago. I couldn't have done that without that basic premise because I would not have been able to be a contributor in the leaders. And I, so that's the most profound thing. And I think about it even when I'm with friends in a, in a group of, of people.
0: This is, this is a life lesson lane. I, I love what you it was like for me hearing. Yeah. And it's for me as well. Like I, I think we're going to, we're certainly going to share this in our show notes. So it's speak up when you can contribute to the information that's being shared. Speak up when the information being shared is directed or where the information is taking the meeting in the wrong direction. Right. And the third one was
1: when you're the subject matter expert and you have insight that needs to be brought into the discussion so that the decision or the design or whatever is the intended outcome of the meeting needs to have that information to get the best yeah. answer response.
0: I love that. And I also love what you had to say is like, if you're not the subject matter expert, don't speak up. And I was thinking myself. Yeah, because your credibility is at stake if you start speaking on a subject that you have that you're ill informed on. Right, people will not take the information that you share that you are well informed on. They won't take it as legitimate. I guess. Right. That's what I would say. Yeah, that's really right. great. Exactly. All right. I love this. I love this. This is really good. Good information, Lane. It's
1: funny. I, I, I I love that story. I feel like it. It happened to this morning. It's so fresh for me still.
0: Yeah. So this is a favorite question of mine, Lane, and I want to take you on a little bit of a journey. Oh, I have feelings I
1: way. know it's coming. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so you're hosting a dinner party. And this dinner party could be anywhere in the world. We can decide where that is uh, after. You can you can tell us where you want to host it. But you can invite any three guests, right? From the present or the past to this amazing dinner party. I've even had one or two guests pick somebody in the future to invite to the dinner party, which takes it in a different direction.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Who would you invite to this amazing dinner party and why?
1: Yeah, I, I saw some questions on this. So, well, first of all, I want to have it at your house because, like I said, I'm I'm an extroverted shy guy, and you do a really good job with questions. And so I want to bring them there and let you ask good questions because that's that's what I want to experience with them. That's that's the first one. Okay, first one is George Washington. I I'd love talking to leaders and, and just learning. From their experiences especially if they've had some unique experience and i figure george washington forming of the us i love this country i think learning what that was like at that time would just be amazing right you could ask one question and and it would be i mean it would be it could consume the home dinner table plus it'd be interesting since i was a little bitty kid like the second grade and heard that he had dentures made of wood. I'd love to see what wood teeth look like. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the case one two. this. This came up in a, at a dinner with a couple and then our, our children who are in their twenties. Two weeks ago, I was in this great restaurant and they were, they had this playlist. It was all hip hop and I mean it was noisy. It was a happening place to be on a Friday night and two generations. Everybody's loving the music. Most of the music's, 10 to 12 years new or, or newer. yeah. And about every like eighth song was Michael Jackson. And I, I thought about it and it was Michael Jackson from way back. I thought, yeah. how interesting is it that, I mean, I think he's going to be pop common stuff into perpetuity. And so I don't know what I would ask them, but I would love to tell my friends that I had dinner with Michael Jackson, right? Just, I can't really think of something more interesting. And then the third one was a little more difficult. I I think it would be Taylor Sheridan. So he's the guy that wrote Yellowstone and was it eighteen oh, yeah. eighty three and he's a Texas guy. So I now live in Texas, so that's kind of interesting. What I'd like to talk I I don't I'd like to talk about him is how where does how does he get to a creative state? So we're all creating. Writing is not my forte, so it's but but I I mean it's not the writing. Where does he where does he get this? Like I don't think I could get there without some serious drugs. It would be nice. I mean I think all of us would like to be more creative. When I go to somebody that seems to be creating, he's kind of setting a trend, but he didn't follow a trend in what he's creating. Yeah,
0: Yeah, he's done some amazing work, right? Both Yellowstone and is it eighteen forty seven? What is the name of the other show? 1,800-something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? maybe yeah. or something
1: like that.
0: Yeah. Well, if we have it at the house, we're going to have to invite actually one of the stars of Yellowstone, and I'm forgetting his name right now, but the gentleman who's married to the daughter on the show. Yeah. Oh. In, um What's his name?
1: Cole something. Cole. Yeah.
0: He lives in Stewart, which is just north of Jupiter, really? Florida here. Uh-huh. There I we bought are. my Jeep from the same dealer that he bought his truck. So. All right. I, that's how I found out he was here. So, but George Washington, Michael Jackson, I mean, I want to know what the question is. You were going to ask uh, George Washington though. Do you, is there one specific question you want to ask? him?
1: I don't know. That's kind of why I was saying I need you there, but okay, like, what, what I really want to, yeah. I really would like to understand how, how do you show up as a leader that's going to be put in, in and be the president? Yeah. I, I, that's, that's, I, that is something that is just totally incomprehensible to me, right? Maybe the same question you asked, what was the pivotal thing that set you up from this time in your career? I don't know. And, and I'd like to understand, like, are they the same, are they essentially the same leadership tra- traits at a different time or was it different then?
0: Yeah. And there you was know? no precedence, right? George Washington came in. There wasn't ever a president of the United States, right? We, they were under yeah. the rule of, of the King before that. So right. every everything was new, the constitution, the declaration of independence. And like what are you thinking? Like in terms of like how do you lead? I think mm-hmm. to get to your point, that would be a fascinating conversation. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Talk talk about leading through ambiguity. Right. That's probably one of the best cases of that ever.
0: Yeah, and I'd love to know what he what it, what his thoughts were on some of the other leaders surrounding him, yeah, no, and all really that. Right? That would be amazing. I wish we yeah. could go back. Right? That's a that yeah. would be a lot of fun.
1: I wonder if George Washington ever had any tequila. That would be just interesting to see yeah. if he like shared the inner stories. Right?
0: I'm sure they had they had spirited beverages, but yeah. it, uh, it was probably something that came over from England, <laughs> right. Well, Lane, you have been an amazing guest. I am so feel so privileged and grateful to have our friendship and to have you come along today on ultimate guide to partnering, but any closing words of advice for our listeners? This is a time we talked about the headwinds, the tectonic shifts on how they can optimize for their success.
1: That's kind of a hard one. I think I've said, shared a lot of things. I'm going to go back to an, an old default that I've, I've, I heard one time and I've, I've used it ever since. And. There's there's a lot of decisions going on, like in, in any practice, what are we going to do to adopt AI, right? I mean, yeah. I mean think about it. The, the new measure of work, it used to be ours. What if we're using AI to build software, right? I mean, there's a lot of decisions that need to be made and how do we have conversations? And the the old um, phrase was, if you ever are in a case where as the leader of the company or a leader a company or an individual as like i don't know what to do next or i don't know what to do with my time right now i would just say go spend time with the customer i I mean i'm going to tell you i'm two years into this company and i had a lot of those events and times when i felt that way and and so if the answer is always somewhere in a conversation with the customer i don't know if that's kind of what you're getting at but that's really how i've figured out What we're doing and and how to participate and how to contribute and and then and how to play a role in those decisions that we have because you don't want to just make a bet without having really high confidence that the customers are interested in what it is that we're going to try to do.
0: Yeah, I love what you have to say. The customer at the center. Mm -hmm. Some have referred to it as a customer centered mindset. Right. Uh, I love that. I love that, Lane. And with that, I want to thank you again for such being such an amazing guest.
1: Thank you. I, it's been a blast. I'm, I'm really proud that you, you gave me a chance to speak today. It's been, it's been great fun.
0: So good to see you again, my friend. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Lane Sorgen as much as I did. And chances are, if you're as excited as I am about the opportunities in store, then you're going to want to join us November 13th through the 15th in Dallas, Texas, as we launch our first live in-person event. Ultimate Partner Live, the America's Summit. We're bringing together leaders from Microsoft across the field organization for small, medium, and corporate accounts, the Microsoft Global Partner Solutions Leadership Team, and the Marketplace Team, all converging in Dallas to help share valuable insights and help you double-click for success in fiscal year 24. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Secure your seat today by visiting our website, ultimateguidetopartnering.com or theultimatepartner.com. I hope to see you in Dallas this November. I hope to see you in Dallas, my friend, in November.